Hello, mamas. Today I am sharing a slightly different sort of podcast. I have been interviewed on the wonderful Namita's podcast, chatting all about my life, my view on things and what a women's health physio does. So I'm going to share this today on my podcast. Enjoy. Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with physiola. Hey, mamas, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Today, I am sharing a podcast interview that I did on someone else's podcast. The wonderful Namita had me on her podcast, which is Thrive with Holistic Healing Co. And she interviewed me talking all about my top tips in life to struggle to manage sorry overwhelm and how I stay positive and how I juggle business and life and working with my husband and being a mother and my perspective on filling my own cup up and how I do that and how that's changed over the years as well. I also talk about how to best prepare for a VBAC and whether or not pelvic floor exercises will hamper that or help that. So I discuss a really common question that a lot of women ask me about, will pelvic floor exercises make my birth harder? So we talk about that. We talk about abdominal separation. I talk about how women's health physios differ to normal physios and the sort of services that we offer and the sort of conditions we can help with. So it's a really interesting chat. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. I really like sharing interviews I've done on other people's podcasts because I think you get to hear a different side of me when I'm on the other end of the microphone, not being the interviewer. And I think it's really cool just to hear me from a different lens and from a different perspective. So I really hope that you enjoy this podcast episode, that you get a lot out of it. And just to let you know, the wonderful Namita is actually coming up on my podcast soon as well. So she had a really interesting and empowering journey with postnatal depression. And I have a perinatal mental health series coming up on the podcast. And her story is really fantastic, very empowering. She shares her views from a pharmacist's point of view, but also from an Eastern medicine point of view, how she helped herself and all of the resources she now shares to help women with postnatal depression or anxiety or any sort of mental health condition after birth, because she's had that lived experience. So make sure you subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast, because that is going to be a really amazing series. I've got a number of beautiful women and practitioners coming on the podcast for that perinatal mental health series. So Namita will join us there. So definitely subscribe so that you don't miss out. And if you love this podcast, if you have any follow-up questions, you know, I love to connect with you. So please jump over to my socials on Facebook and Instagram at Physio Laura and let me know what you loved about it. Or if you have any follow-up questions for me, I always love to know that real humans are listening to the podcast. Uh, Come and connect with me. Otherwise, hope you're having a wonderful day and enjoy this interview. Okay, so thank you so much for joining me today on the Thrive with Holistic Healing Co. podcast. Today I'm joined by the beautiful physio Laura, who I've been an avid fan of for quite some time, and I'm so incredibly grateful that she's joining us today. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. I'm very excited. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Now, I just wanted to start off first by asking you, who is physio Laura? And what do you do? 
So I'm Laura Kalia, but yes, also known as Physio Laura. So I'm a women's health physio. I've been working in this field for many years now. I think I was always drawn to pregnant women. If I wasn't going to be a physio, I think I was going to be a midwife. So I've always been drawn to this period of time and having had three of my own children now. So they are still quite young. I'm still in the thick of like motherhood and new babies. And I just think it's such a transformational period of time to grow a baby, birth a baby, care for a baby. I'm so passionate about this area. So yeah, I'm married to my husband, JA, who also works in my business. So that's an amazing little dynamic we have going on. And we live on the surf coast. So we are all about getting out in nature and surfing and being at the beach and I love coffee and I feel like that probably gives a really good summary of who I am and how I live and work in this world. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yes, I do often see your beach pics. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm very uh, envious of how, how amazingly close you are to nature. So that's just beautiful. And so how old are your children? So my eldest is four and a half, my middle girl is three and my youngest is 16 months. So they're all about 20 months apart. Yeah. So all three and three and a half years, you know, we went boom, boom, boom and decided that's how we wanted to do it. And yeah, it's, it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. And so what has been your biggest challenge with three in such a young sort of age group? Yeah, I think probably the dividing my time and energy, like making sure everyone's needs met, everyone's cup is full because it's such a physically demanding period of time in that, you know, I'm still breastfeeding. My children still want lots of physical touch and cuddles and they need help. You know, I still wipe all of their bums and, you know, like it's a really yes. physical part of motherhood. So I think it's probably just dividing, yeah, all my time and energy between meeting their needs their actual needs, you know, like they're fed, their bums are clean, yes. <laughs> they're sleeping, yes. they're yes. but then also meeting their emotional needs and making sure they feel seen and heard whilst also meeting my needs, um, sure. which I think can very easily be put by the wayside in early motherhood, but something I've become very passionate about making sure that I'm pouring from an overflowing cup because I think I tried to pour from an emptier cup and it just never felt right for me. So I think that's the hardest one is the juggle of meeting everyone's needs in this phase. But I think I'm also so hyper aware that this flies by and soon they won't physically need me so much and I'll have more physical space and they're going to need me in different ways. So just appreciating it's a season and I'm in it and I'm so here for it, but it can be hard. It can be really hard at times. Absolutely. And so you mentioned that you've been more mindful in filling your own cup. So what have been some of your strategies that you go to? I think I used to think of it as like, it had to be these big grandiose, I've got a book in for a sauna or a massage or, you know, like go away for a weekend or, you know, these big grandiose things. Whereas now I've come to realize it is, it's actually the micro moments throughout the day that really, truly fill my cup up. So it's waking up before the kids and having a cacao in the morning to myself in silence on my own schedule feels really, really filling for me or ducking out for a run or fresh air or some exercise. Or I can actually, and this is another thing I've probably come to realize later in my journey of motherhood, but I can fill my cup up with my kids. So that's probably something I used to think I had to fill it up away from them because they 
felt like they were the ones that often drained my cup. I felt like I had to be separate from them to fill my cup. Whereas now what I think about is like, how can we all get our needs met right now? So for example, we often go to the beach because that fills my cup up whilst being with them. They're happy. I'm happy. Everyone's happy. So I try and do a lot of those like really mutual activities where everyone's happy. We're all filling our own cups up. Surfing's a big one for me, but that's a bit more of a grandiose one, I guess, in that, sure. you know, it is a good hour or two away from the kids. You can't really do it together. So it's not always possible. And I think if I hung my self-care needs up on the surf hook, I would probably be disappointed a lot of the time because it's not always possible to get out for a surf without the kids. But it is definitely one that absolutely fills my cup up. I've become one of those people that just talks about surfing all the time. I love surfing. I love the culture. It's just, I'm a total convert. <laughs> but yeah, it's the micro moments for me and it's doing it together. And that's what's probably filled my cup up the most, acknowledging it doesn't have to be big and it can be with my kids. Absolutely. That's actually a really, really important point that you've raised there because if you're just waiting for the moments when they're asleep, I feel like your window of time is just reduced a lot. So I, I definitely understand that. And for me, I'm, I'm much the same. Ours is definitely being outdoors with two little boys. Nothing is better than an open space. I have peace and quiet and they're happy playing. So the, Same. yeah, I understand that for sure. Yeah. So that's beautiful. That's a wonderful, wonderful advice. Now, I guess I just wanted to touch on what's the difference between a women's health physio and a regular physio? What's the difference? Yeah. So I guess there's a few different branches of it, but globally speaking, like a women's health physio is obviously someone dealing with women. However, there is pelvic health, which we do with men as well. So that's probably something I won't talk about, but we certainly do treat men with pelvic health conditions as well. That's part of our shtick, but women's health is really covering like pregnancy, postpartum, breast issues and pelvic issues, abdominal issues. I kind of say when I describe it to clients, anything you can't really see in this video, but anything from like boobs to bottom is kind of like our, our area. So yeah, so we help women through pregnancy and postpartum with exercise, with managing conditions like pelvic pain or abdominal separation, anything pelvic floor related we do as well. So if you are a specific pelvic floor therapist, which not all women's health physios may be, but you can do internal exams. So you can assess for prolapse and you can assess for people who have pelvic pain. So they might have trigger points in their muscles and have painful sex and things like that. You can assess for bladder conditions, bowel conditions. So it's much more specific to the pelvic bowl, I guess, but that in combination with all of the external work we do with pregnancy, which is often around the pelvis. So yeah, the pelvic pain and preparing women for birth. So a lot of it is about birth education and yeah, mastitis, like we treat mastitis. There's a couple of random things in there as well, but yeah, generally speaking, kind of boobs to bottom and anything that happens in between. <laughs> yes, no, definitely. I remember with Kayan, my second, I had laser done on my breasts when yep. after I, with breastfeeding or cracked and that was yep. in the hospital itself. And then I did follow up with a few more appointments. So yeah, I didn't know that pre child. Yeah. Uh, that was something that can be done, but definitely that's a beautiful one to do as well. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of the differences in terms of pelvic health, what's the difference in the preconception stage versus pregnancy and postpartum? What we should do, how does it differ in each of the stages? In terms of seeing a physio or? In terms of 
I guess, yeah, seeing a physio so that you can actually feel your best. So if you're in your preconception stage, you know, what, I guess, could a women's health physio help you, I guess, focus on or achieve? And then how does that change in pregnancy and then postpartum? Yeah, I actually get this question a lot of women saying, when should I see a women's physio and whatnot? So I think it's really valid. Uh, Preconception. I think that all of that is about education and it's all about like laying some solid groundwork for pregnancy. So what we're thinking in preconception phase is increasing your knowledge mostly about where is your pelvic floor? How does your pelvic floor function? Is your pelvic floor in good health? So we know a lot of women before they have babies can have incontinence. They can have issues with painful sex because they've got a tight pelvic floor or a pelvic floor that doesn't know how to relax properly. And whilst it's never too late, if you can start working on those things and start optimizing your pelvic floor health before you fall pregnant, then it's always going to be beneficial. So that's a lot of what the preconception phase may focus on. Same with if you have back pain or any sort of chronic conditions, it may focus on trying to improve your physical health before you fall pregnant in the aim that you'll then have a smoother pregnancy. So maintaining your core strength or working on your back pain or stabilizing your pelvis, whatever you may need to work on if you've got a problem, doing that before pregnancy. And then when you're pregnant, I do recommend people touch base with a physio, even if you feel fine and you're symptom free, because I do think it's worthwhile. Again, if you haven't already, getting the knowledge about where is my pelvic floor at? Do I know how to contract it properly? Do I know how to relax it properly? We know that's really important for birth just to be in tune with that muscle. We need to let it go to be able to fully surrender in the birth process. And we need to be able to consciously turn it on for things like coughing and sneezing and after birth when it might feel numb and we might not feel connected to it. We need to be able to consciously know, oh yeah, I've done this before. I have muscle memory. I know how to turn that muscle back on. As part of your rehab, it's really important to have that base baseline knowledge during your pregnancy. So I do recommend women go and see someone, but particularly if you are having troubles with things like incontinence, if you're wetting yourself, that's not normal, can be common, but it's not normal. So you should go see a women's physio. If you're wetting yourself, if you have feelings of vaginal heaviness or bulge or lump, like prolapse symptoms, if you're having troubles emptying your bladder or your bowels, if you're severely constipated, you've got hemorrhoids, if you've got pelvic pain, pubic pain, rib pain, wrist pain, like any pain, I think a lot of women still probably put up with it because they think I'm pregnant, you know, like once I have this baby, I'll be fine. But there's so much you can do to help it at the time. And I just, again, like my motto is I feel like we should all aim to thrive, not just survive. So instead of just getting through, let's actually aim to enjoy it and like be as good as we can. And physio can definitely help with that. And then after birth and also with birth education and preparing you for labor and birth. But yeah, certainly afterwards, there's a big role to play in pelvic floor recovery, abdominal recovery, easing you back into exercise and running and weights and giving you some guidance as to where you're at and what you can tolerate. Because I think there's a lot of confusion after birth as to when can I do this and when will I know if I'm ready and the best way I say is just to go and see someone have your abs assessed have your pelvic floor assessed have your whole body assessed and just get a feel of where you're at so you know what you can do Absolutely. And so I guess I'll just share a little personal story for me as well. So I've actually just recently seen a women's health physio in, yeah, just in Mossman. What happened was we went on a whale watching cruise. So we were there for three hours and I am so motion sick. So I was vomiting and vomiting and vom- so for three whole hours. And by the end, I was like, I'm actually going to 
wet myself. This is ridiculous. Anyway, so I bought myself an appointment to see this woman and she was so incredibly helpful. So I've also recently been having TMJ issues where Mm. I'm obviously clenching my jaw, especially driving in Sydney. I'm constantly (laughs) clenching my jaw. And she was saying, and I didn't realize this before, but that, you know, TMJ is very much connected with our bladder. And so she was saying that, you know, often when we're holding everything in, they get tired and the whole pelvic floor gets very, very tired. And so just being able to let go and being able to let go and being able to let go. And it is that mind-body connection. I think that we are so hustle, hustle hustle, hustle in our life. So you add children and life and working and, you know, we do forget about how our whole body is connected. And so that was a really beautiful, mindful moment for me that sort of made me stop and think, gosh, okay, I need to take this more seriously. Absolutely. (laughs) I feel like it's probably a good check-in for anyone listening to be like, oh, am I clenching my jaw right now while I listen to this? Because that's a big part of labor as well is being able to relax your jaw. That's why we do a lot of the like horse lips, the because that helps relax your jaw, which relaxes your pelvic floor, which is what we want to happen during birth. So yeah, a good little reminder for anyone clenching right now. Yes. Blow some horse lips when you're on the train or wherever you are. <laughs> exactly. And so that's one of the things every three to four hours and I had to set an alarm, which is embarrassing before, like that I had to do that. But it literally the alarm note was let go. Yeah, yeah. So every three to four hours, I would just breathe out, let go, like relax my pelvic floor. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing some wonderful improvements. So, you know, that was a little, yeah, just a personal story I thought I would share. And that's actually a good reminder as well, because it sounds like you had like a pelvic floor that was struggling to let go. And that is really commonly linked to incontinence. And a lot of people think the opposite. They think yes. If I have incontinence, I must have a really weak pelvic floor, but that's not necessarily the case. And that's why it's good rather than just going, oh, I'm wetting myself. I'll just start banging out some Kegels and some pelvic floor. That could actually make it worse for a lot of women because your problem may be overactivity and difficulty letting go. So that's why it's always worthwhile getting a checkup because you just don't know sometimes until you have someone look at it. A hundred percent. And so that definitely was what my take home message was that I was going to going to guess and going to do more, you know, of my Kegel exercises. And I'm so thankful that I didn't because Mm. what she told me to do was the opposite. Uh, And so, um, and even my water consumption, my, my traditional Chinese medicine doctor told me to drink, if I was going to drink water, to drink big volume. So it flushes my lymphatic system. And she told me the opposite. She said, you need to sip slowly. I was like, oh my gosh, everything I've been doing has been, there's there's mixed messages as well. I think that's also an important point there. Now, another reason I had gone to a women's health physio was when I wanted to have a VBAC. So you have just, you're doing, uh, you're releasing this beautiful VBAC series on your podcast. So I'd highly recommend all the listeners to go and, and have a listen there. And so I had gone to a women's health physio because I was adamant with my first being an emergency C-section that I needed to have a VBAC the second because I didn't want the way that I birthed my child to be a factor or a variable of me not knowing what caused my postnatal depression. So, you know, I, I did, I was very successful and I had a beautiful, amazing VBAC. But the, the therapist that I saw at the time, she was saying that if I did too many pelvic floor exercises that it would possibly make it tighter and possibly make it maybe harder to have a VBAC. So I actually, I'm going to be honest, I actually let my pelvic exercises go by the wayside because I 
didn't not want to have a VBAC. And yeah. so so now I'm thinking, gosh, have I done ir- irreparable damage by not looking after my my pelvic floor during that time? So I guess my question is, what have you learned in your in your yeah. feedback as sort of you know knowledge and 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 studies? Yeah, such a common question, and I actually get asked this one a lot as well. Around should I stop pelvic floor because I want to give birth well, regardless of whether it's VBAC or not. I think it's a really cool question to flesh out. So the theory or the idea behind that is that when you're doing lots and lots of pelvic floor exercises, that you'll create this tense, tight muscle. And obviously we want this muscle to open and relax when we're having a vaginal birth. And so therefore, if you've got like a too strong muscle, you're going to hamper your ability to birth a baby. So that's the, 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 idea I guess behind it which like I guess makes sense you know like you think about like a tight strong muscle if you're working out but where that falls down and where it's not entirely true is that when you're doing pelvic floor exercises it is just as much about your contraction as it is about your relaxation so I liken it to say a bicep curl you're in the gym and you're doing bicep curls If you're doing a bicep curl, but all you're ever doing is, I know it's hard if you're not like watching this on video, but you're always just up the top, repping this dumbbell up, 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 and you're never fully extending your arm back down. Well, A, it's a bit of a pointless exercise. You're not really going to get a strong functional bicep anyway, but you are going to get this tight contracted bicep and it's actually going to be a problem. And that's kind of the same with the pelvic floor. We never want to be exercising the pelvic floor without relaxation. There's not a function for that. We we want on as much as we want off. And so that's for the lead up to birth, but that's for any time we're doing pelvic floor. So if you're doing your pelvic floor and you're not relaxing it and you can't switch it off, well, you should definitely go see someone and work on being able to let it go. But there's a small category of women that I would say, a very small category of women that I would say, look for you, just don't do pelvic floor in the lead up to birth because they struggle so much with the letting go. Obviously you want to work on the letting go and you want to get them to a position where they can do pelvic floor exercises well. But if they can't, then yeah, you may recommend, you know what, let's just quit this for the moment because we don't want to create a hypertonic muscle. We want that muscle to be nice and supple for birth. But I find for the most part, I always encourage pelvic floor leading up to birth because A, most women can do it well if they're under the right guidance. And I think it's really, really helpful to stay connected to that muscle if you can throughout throughout your pregnancy, right up until labor. And then initially in that postpartum period, just to keep that brain to muscle connection happening. But again, the emphasis is on the need to be able to be relaxing it as much as you're pulling it up. So if you imagine the pelvic floor, like an elevator where you close the door, so you tighten the vagina and then you lift it up to say level one and then level two, and then you release it back down to level zero and then you open the doors. And that's the final phase. If you're doing that, but you're only ever going back down to level one and then back up to level two and then back down to level one and then back up to level two, you're never fully relaxing. So if you acknowledge that, oh yeah, I never actually completely let go, then you may want to stop pelvic floor for the moment, go and get it assessed, get yourself relaxing well, and then get back on the bandwagon. And the final point I wanted to make on that is because you mentioned, have I done, you know, damage if I haven't done my pelvic floor? No, 
So you do not necessarily need to do specific pelvic floor exercises to keep your pelvic floor healthy and strong. So if you are mobile and moving your body in different positions, you're walking, you're exercising, you're, you know, squatting, you're moving your pelvis in really healthy ways and you're doing day-to-day chores and day-to-day tasks and just moving well, your pelvic floor will be strong. Okay. So your pelvic floor doesn't only work when you do a Kegel contraction. Your pelvic floor is responding to all movements, to all loads. When you pick up your baby, your pelvic floor switches on. When you squat down to the floor, when you, you know, lift up the groceries, your pelvic floor is working. And for some women, they need more pelvic floor exercises because they have a weakness or a deficit. So they need to do extra on top of it. But for most women who are asymptomatic, you know, who are getting by fine, don't have any symptoms or whatnot, if they didn't do pelvic floor exercises, they'd generally still be in a really good position provided they are generally active, fit, and well. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. No, definitely. Definitely. And I guess for my niche of women's health, where we're talking about perinatal mental health. So if we have women that may already be feeling overwhelmed or they have other health conditions that they're contending with, how how can we also support their physical health as well? Like, uh, do you have certain strategies that they might be able to incorporate to make it achievable and doable in a day? Yeah, for sure. I think the mental load of exercise is huge, right? Like the thought of, especially when you're feeling flat or if you're feeling depressed or anxious or the thought of, you know, people telling you, oh, the exercise will make you feel better. Just, it probably feels like really hard work. I can imagine that that's how women feel. So telling them, go do a half an hour walk is probably not as simple as it sounds. So I quite like habit stacking. So things that you're already doing throughout your day, just adding something small into that. So postpartum, I get a lot of women to do pelvic floor exercises when they're feeding their baby. Because often when you're feeding, you are sitting down for, you know, half an hour sometimes with a, a newborn. And so instead of just sitting there the whole time or just scrolling your phone or whatever, I get women to do pelvic floor then because it doesn't feel like an extra load. They're just incorporating and stacking these habits together. So I get them to drink water, I get them to have a snack and I get them to do pelvic floor because they're often things that can easily be missed. So just, you can use app. There's a great app called Squeezy, which you can download, or there's plenty of free pelvic floor apps and you can follow an app or you could just remind yourself. And it could be as simple as 30 seconds to one minute. But if you do that every time you feed your baby, for example, or maybe you do that every time you boil the kettle to have a cup of tea, or when you brush your teeth at nighttime, like things that you are already doing throughout your day. If you add that, that shouldn't add to the mental burden and vice versa. You could do it with other movements. So squats, for example, are a really great way to just get your body moving, pump some blood around. It's not too hard. Maybe you do 10 squats when you have a shower, or maybe you, I don't know, go for a walk around the block when you're taking a phone call or when you're listening to a podcast or stacking these habits together. Think about what you do every single day that you could do something else with. And then I think it reduces that mental load. Yes, absolutely. And can you do them while you're lying down? Are they just as effective? Yes. Yeah. So I find lying down, uh, particularly on your side, can be a really good position or otherwise sitting is a great position. Standing is quite hard for a lot of women. So I probably wouldn't go to standing unless you're like a superstar advanced pelvic floor guru. But yeah, definitely lying down and sitting are great positions for pelvic floor exercises. 
Okay, fantastic. Now, I don't know whether there's a lot of women that have an ab separation, but for me, after I had big boys, I had big boys. And so I did have an ab separation uh, after the second, and I actually had a little umbilical hernia as well. So I actually had to get that repaired. But from a women's physio perspective, if a woman does have an ab separation, are there certain things that you can do to help repair it yeah. non-invasively? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for those who don't know, abdominal separation is when the fascia in the middle, where your six pack muscles meet, there's this fascia in the middle and that stretches with pregnancy, which is normal. It is good. If it didn't stretch, we wouldn't be able to expand our belly. So it's a really good thing. So we know that at the end of pregnancy, a hundred percent of women will have some degree of abdominal separation. Cause I think some people think that you cannot have it but you will always have some degree of abdominal separation with pregnancy. Where it becomes a problem is if your abdominal separation is dysfunctional, i.e. you're getting low back pain or you're bulging through the midline of your tummy. It looks kind of like a peaking, a triangular sort of shape. You've got incontinence, you've got prolapse, you've got low back pain or pelvic pain. If you've got any of those signs, that means that it's a dysfunctional separation. So that's a problem and we need to address that. So that's when it becomes a problem. And often that can be when it's quite wide or it's quite thin or there's been a hole, which is where the hernia comes into play as well. And it doesn't just necessarily mean you have to get surgery to fix it back up. Like you said, some people certainly do, but for most women, conservative management can be really, really effective. So that looks like making sure your posture is perfect and, you know, you're really like using good biomechanics, making sure that you're doing good core rehab exercises, you're picking up your baby well, and you're doing things ergonomically. Sometimes wearing compression can be really, really helpful for women. So wearing compression tights or shorts or just a tubey grip bandage around the middle can be really helpful as well. Yeah. All of those strategies can be really, really effective. We get a lot of women having great results postpartum with just some really simple core exercises. So that would be your first place to go. Amazing. And I guess a lot of these changes when we think about motherhood and what our bodies endure, uh, you know, through the whole change of pregnancy and post-birth, I, I know for one, I was scared if my body would ever go back to what it was. Now, whether that was my pelvic floor or my core, I guess my question is for women that might be feeling like their bodies have changed a lot, is there hope for everyone? You know, has anyone ever gone so far that certain exercises or, or techniques can't bring them back? Yeah, like, of course, there's always going to be women that say their separation, especially say a twin pregnancy where your tummy is even bigger because you're holding two babies, where your abdominal separation might be sometimes 10 centimeters. You know, you can fit a whole fist in there. And for those women, they may try 12 months of rehab and they will do all of the strategies and they may still just never quite get it to where they need it to be for whatever it is they want to do. So they might want to do high level exercise or they might want to jump on the trampoline and they just can't. So what we need, the separation, for example, we need that to be like a closed canister because we need pressure to transmit through our abdomen, right? So if we have kind of like a leaky canister, it can cause all sorts of dysfunction. So for those sorts of women, say surgery is a really good option. And if we're thinking downstairs, we're thinking the pelvic floor, again, there's certainly a subcategory of women. It is very small though. Keep this in mind. This is a small proportion of women, but 
say their prolapse or their incontinence might be so severe that they do need surgical help for sure. That's definitely an option. But I just feel like for the majority of women, conservative rehab is really, really helpful. And I think I I actually have a podcast coming on this soon titled, Will My Vagina Ever Be the Same Again? So I think zooming back out of that question of like your body changing and will it ever be the same again? I think if your function, we're always focused on function because we want your body to function. We want it to move and do the things that you want to do in your lifestyle and your life and not be limited by that. So if your function is fine, fantastic. That's great. It's not holding you back from that. And then I guess the problem might be aesthetics or it might be accepting a new body image. So I know a lot of women struggle with their vaginas after birth regardless of like, they may have no symptoms. They have no incontinence, no sexual dysfunction. Everything is fine, but they don't like how it looks or they don't like that. It might be slightly more lax or a little bit of a bulge, uh, post-birth. And I think that's a whole, that's a tricky and whole new category, right. To, to accept, because I think you do need to accept that your body has changed a big part of it. I think self-love can feel like a really hard step for women, but I think self-acceptance is the first step for that and appreciation. So I think it's really good for women who struggle to accept that their vulva or their vagina might look different after birth. And that again, this is making sure their function is good because if their function is not good, um, then there's definitely things that we can improve for that. But I think when you stop and you think and acknowledge and know what your body went through to grow and birth these babies, and you can appreciate that, I think that really helps women learn to accept that things might be different afterwards. Same with your breasts, right? Like your breasts are never the same again. <laughs> and so, so much of it is about being able to accept that, you know what, you're a rock star. You fed a baby, you know, like you, you've grown and shrunk and grown and shrunk and you're a legend and I accept you and maybe I'll learn to love you or maybe I won't, but I at least accept you. <laughs> yes. No, that's amazing. Actually. And look, following from that beautiful uh, way of looking at it, I was actually really drawn to you by your warmth and just how authentic and open you are and how positive you are really. Uh, and so I'm curious as to what kind of strategy do you implore to have that positive mindset? Because it really does permeate in in all all that you've done that I can see. So there, there's something you're doing <laughs> that's that's working for you. Thank you. I do think I am fortunate in that. I do think by nature I have always been a very happy-go-lucky, positive, optimistic person. I think that is my default which I feel very fortunate for, but obviously I am human. Like, obviously I also, things happen and I get angry and I get sad and I get overwhelmed and I certainly ride all of the emotional roller coasters. But I think what always pulls me back is I often, I don't know why, like I haven't, I've, I've had one close family member pass away, but it's not like I've been truly affected by death a lot, but I think I just always think about how short life is and how precious life is and how we're not guaranteed tomorrow, this afternoon, the next minute. And so I think I always just pull myself back to we've got here and now, like being in the present moment. I know you're so big on this as well. I think that always helps me to feel really good about life and be positive about life because I know that it's so precious and we don't have tomorrow. I don't try and live like I am guaranteed anything or owed anything. I just try and live in the moment. I think that really helps. So I often think about like zooming out and just being like, will I care about this if I were to die? 
And it sounds morbid, but like, I'd be like, no, I don't care to argue with my husband right now. I actually just want to connect. So I'm going to move on. I'm not going to be grumpy all day. I'm going to get back to being positive. And yeah, same as like challenging moments in motherhood. I, I think I just can zoom out really quickly and be like, you know, this is precious and this is really special and I, I don't want to miss this. So I want to be in a good frame of mind for this. So I think I, yeah, I zoom out. I think the zooming out probably helps to have the positive mindset. I practice gratitude a lot. I used to like physically sit down and write it down. Whereas now I think I just feel it. Like I, I'm that sort of person that will like walk around and be like, oh my God, look at that sunset. And oh my God, can you see that butterfly? And you like, and I think kids help that. Cause kids are so present and like excitable. And I, I'm that adult that even when the kids aren't around, I'm like, Oh, look at this guy. And you know, like, it's probably not so common for adults to be like that, but I, I'm, I'm really delighted by what's around me. And I think that really helps as well, because I feel like everywhere you look, there's something amazing happening. So yeah, <laughs> no, that's amazing. And so I feel like with my second rebirth with after my recovery that I now have that perspective and I now savor all of life and on mm -hmm. all that it is, the good, the bad, the ugly, and I just devour it. So, I mean, you, you mentioned that that's your default. So can you actually put a pinpoint on when it started? Is it just something that nature has given you or, or was there was there something that can stand out in your mind as being mm. almost like a a shift for that mindset because I'm, I I would say that my husband is much the same as, as you as a natural default he wakes up every morning fresh you know easy easy to move on but for me I actually wasn't like that pre <laughs> I think I was a lot more in my head so you know what you have is yeah really precious I think I grew up with very relaxed, joyful parents. So I do think as like a child and a teenager, I was that way inclined, but thinking in adulthood. So when my father-in-law passed away, like that was a real moment for both my husband and I of, yeah, like life is so short and like, what are we doing with our time? And like, wh where are we spending our energy and having like a real reflection? That feels like it's been really pivotal for both of us for, for really savoring life and really appreciating it and being here for it, you know, not just being like a, a witness to it, but like being in it has, that was a real pivotal moment. And I think having kids has really been like quite a catapult into, you know, kids are such a marker of time. So they go from, you know, like, little squishy alien babies who don't do anything to, you know, like these kids that six months later are moving and chatting and like they time moves so fast with them. And I, I I'm so hyper aware being a mother of like, if you're not here now, you know, like you miss it, you really miss it. It's not like you can miss two years and some adults, you know, it feels like it's the same with kids, so much changes. So I think having kids has really helped me be present. And I've really tried to foster a lifestyle where I can be present. I don't want to be missing that. Um, I want to be here with them. And so I think, yeah, probably my father-in-law and then becoming a mother have been like pivotal moments to really help steer my mindset on yes. that path. Yes, no, absolutely. And so how is it that you manage the juggle of motherhood, career, business, wife, life? Yeah. <laughs> how, what are your strategies to sort yeah. of yeah, manage it all? It's such a juggle, right? Oh, good question. So like 
I went through a phase where I felt busy and overwhelmed and I had too much on and I was stretching myself. And so I think I just stripped it all back and really stopped for a second and just really like lent into what, what do I want out of life? And where am I saying yes when I really mean no? Where am I over committing myself when I shouldn't be? And yeah, I really... I really am quite diligent now with how I spend my time and my energy. I don't, I don't know, what's an example? Like I don't go to catch-ups that I don't want to be at anymore. Whereas in the past, I would have done everything. I would have said yes to every invite. I would have gone everywhere just because that was my nature. And now I'm like, no, 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 my time is precious and my energy is precious. So I only do things that are like a full body yes. Same with my work. So I outsource anything that I don't want to do. So I'm fortunate to have a wonderful assistant you know, we work with consultants when we need to, but if it doesn't light me up and I don't feel like I need to do it, it's not in my zone of genius. I get rid of it because I've acknowledged that if I'm, and everything you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. If I'm saying yes to spending three hours doing, I don't know, some sort of admin task in my business that I hate doing and someone else could do it faster, that's saying no to spending three hours with my children or three hours in the surf or whatever it is. So I think I'm just really diligent with where I spend my time. I don't fluff about, like I don't scroll social media for hours like I used to. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm human. I still have the little scroll here and there, but I just feel like I don't waste time like I used to. Like I'm just really intentional with where I spend my time because I do feel like we have enough time to do all the things we want to do. A, if they're the things we truly want to do and not just what we think we should do, but B, if we just cut away all the fat. So if we just get rid of all the things that don't serve us, we do have the time. So I feel like I have this really beautiful blend at the moment of being present with my kids, spending like plenty time with them, being in my business, working on my business. We actually just got a lot of help around our home. So we actually have a live in or pair at the moment. And I tell you what, I think I'm going to do a whole podcast episode. Yeah. On this. <laughs> that has just been life changing. I've yes. never had this amount of help in my motherhood journey Amazing. ever. And whew, it's yes. like Amazing. It's seriously like the village that I always wished I had. So yeah, that's something I'm just like slowly integrating with now having all that help. But yeah, all of the same things still apply to before I had that. And even now though, um, yeah. Amazing. Yes. You'll have to share the link oh, yeah. for the au pair. <laughs> I will. We've, yeah. we've often chatted about our places a bit too small to accommodate yeah. that uh, at the minute, but that's always something I said, if we ever had space and opportunity, that would, how amazing it would be to have just mm-hmm. extra pairs of hands. That would be yeah. That That's what it is, right? Yeah. So I think when I sat down and thought about, cause I, I sat down and we were really intentional with what sort of care and help do we want right now? Like, do we want to have a million and one different, you know, a cleaner here and someone to help with meals there and a nanny here or whatever, or like, what do we actually need help with? And I acknowledge that what I actually need, I don't actually need a lot of time, but I just need someone kind of on standby, you know, that extra set of hands when you are kind of like in a fluster and you've got too much on you know, if, if someone's not pre-booked or whatnot, that's not going to work for me so much. I kind of just needed someone around. I noticed when my parents came to visit, it was so easy because it was like someone was doing the dishes while someone was holding a baby while someone was entertaining the other one. And you're like, oh, this is so helpful. Just like you said, the extra set of hands is what I think I acknowledged I needed. And it's like five minutes here, you know, 10 minutes there. Can you duck to the shops for me? It's all those micro moments that cause friction. That's where I was finding in my mothering 
there were so many just micro moments that caused friction, but that would equal overwhelm for me. And I get to the end of the day and I was like this overwhelmed, ragey mess over nothing really big. It's just these, I just want to cook dinner and it's going to take five minutes, but you're screaming at me. So I can't, you know, like it's just all those micro moments. So yeah, it's been, it's been a real game changer for us. Amazing. Amazing. No, I fully agree that we, you know, we, we do need a village to help raise children and, and, and we, we've stepped away from that, I think in the Western way of living. So I love that you've done that. So good on you. Yep. <laughs> well done. <laughs> and so I guess you mentioned that you work with your husband. So how does that balance work? Yeah. So he has his own business as well. So he does that most of the time. And then I work like about 10 hours a week. So we kind of jump together for those 10 hours and strategize and whatnot together. So he's, he's always been a part of my business from conception through to now. He's always had some sort of role to play. He jokes that he's like the CEO of my business. <laughs> um, we're a good balance because he's interested in things I'm completely uninterested in. So we have completely different roles. Like He's got the business brain and the marketing brain, and he's the sort of personality that will stay up till 3am listening to a podcast on SEO and I couldn't, I don't care about that. Yeah. Like, I just want to connect with women. Yes. I just want to like have lovely conversations and I want to, you know, connect. That's, that's my strength is connecting with women. But I think you need both, right? Like, I don't think I'd be able to run the business just on me because I don't care for the things that actually make it a business. So we're a really beautiful blend in that regard. And I think you have to have boundaries because sometimes it can feel like all you talk about is business when you work together. And it's particularly when you're really passionate about what you do. And he is as equally passionate about what I do as I am. So, you know, you'll find him in a coffee shop chatting with a woman about her pregnancy and her birth and, you know, like all the things that, you know, go check out Laura's this and that, and, you know, like he's really into it. So you do have to have boundaries around it, but for the most part, I think we just have a really lovely blend of parenting and working and it doesn't feel like it's out of balance or anything like that. It feels like a really beautiful thing to work together, parent together, live together, life together. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. That's really, really wonderful. As I mentioned before that I've loved all of your content and I follow you and I, you know, love all that you have to offer. So for, for my listeners, I guess it's an opportunity for you to chat about your juicy offerings and, and things that you have to offer for women. So yeah, it's all yours. <laughs> uh, um, my podcast, which you will be coming on very shortly, is the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. So you can find that on any of your favorite podcast players. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Physio Laura. I try and get on there and like remind you about your pelvic floor. That seems to be what everyone wants to hear. But I also share my life and the inside workings of my brain and, you know, motherhood challenges and ups and downs and all of the in-between. And then I have my online program, which is the Pregnancy Posse. So this is a membership for women in their pregnancies, which guides them every single week of their pregnancy with tailored workouts, education around pelvic floor, pelvic pain, abdominal separation, all of the things that pop up for them. It's a beautiful community of women. There's birth preparation. I do like a weekly pregnancy vlog. So you get an insight into how I was feeling in every week of my pregnancy. I recorded all of that. And I, my goal for that was just that there was a safe space for women to land because pregnancy can be really confusing. And a lot of women just get so confused and overwhelmed by 
information. And I wanted women to just have a place to land where there was evidence-based information, a beautiful community of women to ask questions to, and they can then block out any extra noise that they didn't want to hear. So, and that's what it's been. And so we've had thousands of women through the program and it's, yeah, it's a beautiful vibe. I love doing it. And yeah, that's where you can find me. <laughs> amazing, amazing, amazing. And do you still see private clients not at the moment. Yes. No. So yes. you can only work with me online in the group yes. setting at the moment, but yes. maybe down the track, yes. there's something. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic. And look, I actually would love to see you do even programs for postpartum mothers, you know, to be able to work on, on you know, I guess we're, we're also time poor, but to yet be able to have resources that we can do. Yeah. Maybe be part of a group. That would be yep. a beautiful thing. It kills me every day. I have been sitting on a postpartum branch for three years. I like filmed all the content. Oh yes. It's just been one of the, I trust the timing will be perfect, but yeah, it does kill me every day when I'm like, I've got nothing for these poor women. I just (laughs) want to be able to help them. But yeah, in its own time, I will definitely be bringing something out. Amazing. Amazing. So I think that's something that you would do so well and you're so relatable and, and I feel like you're very vulnerable and open and authentic with everything that you share. So I think that a lot of women would benefit mm. from that. Yeah. <laughs> so amazing. I look forward to seeing that when 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 she's ready. Finally. Yeah, that's it. But thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this has been a real, real pleasure and I've loved chatting with you. So thank you so much. Thank you, Namita. That's awesome. Thank you. Hello, mamas. I really hope that you enjoyed listening to me interviewed on someone else's podcast, the wonderful Namita from Thrive with Holistic Healing Co. is just beautiful. She has a beautiful energy and I felt really honored to be able to share my story and my knowledge and my advice with her audience on her podcast. So definitely go check her out. Her podcast is wonderful. Uh, She will be joining us on the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast coming up for a wonderful series we've got planned on perinatal mental health. So she shares her journey on postnatal depression and how she overcome that and all of the Eastern and Western practices that she incorporated into her own healing and now into what she shares with women to get better and to thrive, hence the name of her podcast and her business. Um, really beautiful story. So make sure you subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so that you don't miss out. And as always, please jump on over to my Facebook or Instagram at Physio Laura and let me know what you loved about this interview. If you enjoyed hearing my perspective on filling your cup or juggling motherhood and business and life, I get asked a lot of questions about that aspect of my work, not just the physiotherapy side, but you know, the motherhood side, the business side. So if you have any follow-up questions, I would love to hear from you. Like I said, I love knowing that actual humans are listening to this and I would love to see you pop into my messages. I reply to as many as I possibly can. I um, really love connecting with you all. So please jump on over to at PhysioLaura and let me know what you thought about this. Otherwise, stay tuned. We have some amazing podcast series coming up for you all that the rest of this year is jam-packed with incredible interviews with incredible women. And I just know it's going to really land with all of you out there. So yeah, stay tuned and subscribe to the podcast. And I hope wherever you are right now, you're having a wonderful day. And like I mentioned in the interview, I hope you are filling your cup up. Remember, it doesn't need to be grandiose. It can be small micro moments throughout the day and it can be with your kids. Uh, That's a really beautiful point to make. So I love you. (laughs) I'll see you soon. And yeah, have a wonderful day.